Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare, I'm your host, your guide, your friend, and occasionally your enemy. No, not really that last bit, I was making up to be wacky. Uh, So this is a podcast about writing, it's for writers, but it's also for people who read, people who enjoy the idea of writing, or some of you who may be fizzing round the edges of writerliness, not quite ready to admit to yourself that it's something you want to do, perhaps that you feel a bit shy, perhaps you feel a bit silly. That's all right. I'm both shy and silly and uh, I, I haven't ever let it stop me do anything really. I suppose maybe I'm not the best example for that. So take that as a cautionary tale stroke salutary uh, figurehead that you can follow. I'm kind of like a cultural bellwether, aren't I? Anyway, um, this week I am in, I'm in Devon at the uh, Arvin Foundation. I'm at Totley Barton teaching at Arvin. If you don't know anything about Arvin, or even if you do, they are a, uh, they're a, uh, they've been around for 50 years doing creative writing retreats where people can come out into the middle of the English countryside. There's ones here, there's ones in Shropshire and one in Yorkshire and people come out for a week. They'll have two teachers who are writers in whatever disciplines being taught that week and a group of about 12 or 16 people come out and learn creative writing in a series of intensive workshops and one-to-one sessions and an artist comes in the middle of the week. So I'm out here at the moment with the poet Hannah Silver and on Wednesday night the poet uh, Vanessa Casule came down and I love Vanessa's stuff. She's so awesome but she and she and then that poet will that on the Wednesday the Wednesday night guest is a bit of a tradition at Arvin but a guest comes down on the Wednesday night and just is there as an artist. They don't teach any workshops. They just come perform some of their work and take questions in a Q&A format. And I suppose to the people who haven't, uh, to the uninitiated, that might seem like terribly self-indulgent and kind of uh, loveified to have someone come down and, you know, talk about their practice. But there's no reason why we should be ashamed of that. It's uh, something that allows people to learn. And it turns out Vanessa came and she just like, crushed it she just like got it and went and absolutely smashed it did some of her poems talked to our group so I'm teaching a group of um sort of sick formers at the moment so they're all actually really great to teach they're really open to trying out new things none of them have got this crystallized idea of being a writer or I'm a poet or I'm a fiction writer or I only write science fiction or I write fantasy or I don't do memoir all of them are kind of like, well, I, you know, I, some of them have never really written creatively before, except in assignments they've been given at school. And so every time we give them a, you know, workshop exercise and go, OK, so you're going to do this and I'm going to time you for 10 minutes. They go, yeah, all right, we'll have a go. And the stuff they've been coming out has been awesome. So as you can probably tell, I'm absolutely buzzing from being here and getting to teach creative writing for a week to, and, and watching writers grow and watching them learn and watching them come out with some stuff that I feel jealous of and have to have a little moral dilemma with myself whether I nick it and pass it off as my own and of course I, I won't not actually because I'm particularly ethically inclined but because in the end the thing that I actually really enjoy about writing is the satisfaction of having written something myself the acclaim you know is is genuinely secondary to me because if it wasn't, I probably would nick stuff because I'm not very 
scrupulous or kind. Um, but how are you? I hope you're well. As you can probably tell, this is going to be a writing ramble. This is one of my uh, infamous writing rambles where I don't script it. I just talk to you about the things that are going on for me. And we, tr- you know, I'll try and talk about some aspect of writing that's on my mind, something important, something that we can, that I can, uh, without having any... Uh, any script to follow without being too slick I can talk about it and and kind of work out what I think about it as well and I like chucking one or two of these in every now and then one because like I've been teaching creative writing for a week so I've got loads of thoughts about it it's really fresh on my mind I've been writing like bilio this week I've been making sure I've been doing all the exercises that I've set I've done all the exercises that Hannah's set I've written in the mornings I've been writing in the gaps between workshops so I've got you know how much have I got here one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen a four pages of writing thus far which is you know it's only been we're only on the fourth day and i've been i'm working full time from 10 a.m till 10 p.m that's pretty good right um, I'm really enjoying myself. I'm learning so much from Hannah and all her um, poetry exercises. I feel like at some stage on the show, I should give you guys a few familiar poetry exercises and little workshop uh, little tasks to do because I think you can learn. I've learned so much from cross training and thinking about language in that microcosmic kind of brick by brick way because I think you know as uh, prose writers we're often encouraged to be sloppy on the line as I would see it and that is imme- immediately I've dropped into slightly judgmental language but that idea that it's less important how you say something as what you say that we're going for character that we're going for drama and all of and don't get me wrong I love those things that we're going for plot uh, and the language has can be kind of looser and uh, do less work than it would in poetry. And I, th- I think there's an element, there's a grain of truth in that, this idea that if you are asking of much, as a poem should be making language work harder than it normally does, right? And it should use the space, the white space around the page, and the fact that it is just this single kind of like a jewel that's kind of like tossed in front of the reader I think it has to use that kind of negative space that exists around a poem some of you are going to be shaking your heads thinking that maybe this sounds a bit wanky but like I think you know a poem exists in this big sea of negative space because you say okay here's the poem you read the poem and then you stop and that's kind of bookended with all this silence and that allows parts of the poem to resonate and for us to glom onto images and think them over and pick them apart you don't have that same room in prose now that I'm not saying that that necessarily means that poet that prose has to be this kind of clear pain through which we can just view the action I like a lot of stripped down minimalist prose but I also like some really rich prose. I also like prose that is slow to read because it has the density of poetry. I'm reading some um, Osip Mandelstam at the moment. I'm kind of picking my way through it, actually, but um, his journey to Armenia. And it's ostensibly non-fiction. But, well, I'll read you some now, actually. Why not? Because I'm pretty sure it's 
I'm pretty sure it's out of out of copyright anyway. And I'm just reading a very, very tiny, tiny bit. But he's got this incredible way of writing with filling it with allusions, filling it with crunchy specificity that, that I've always kind of banging on about. You've got to fill your work with crunchy specificity, making those nouns, you know, pull their weight. And he's not shy about using similes and metaphors. He really, really makes every line pull in a different direction. And somehow it works. Uh, here he's talking about, how about this? All around there were, God help us, such cheery little houses with nasty little souls and timidly oriented windows. Seventy years ago or less they used to sell surf girls here, who had been taught to sew and stitch hems, quiet little things, quick to catch on. The stale old lindens, deaf with age, lifted their brown forked trunks in the courtyard. Frightening in their somehow bureaucratic thickness, they heard and understood nothing. Time fed them with lightning flashes and watered them with downpours. Thunder or bromide, it was all the same to them. Once a meeting of the adult males who lived in the house resolved to top, chop down the oldest linden and cut it up for firewood. They dug a deep trench around the tree. The axe began to hack at the indifferent roots. Doing a woodcutter's work requires certain skills. There were too many volunteers. They fussed about, like the incompetent executors of some foul verdict. Just to me, that's great. Maybe I'm incredibly pretentious, but that idea of them executing the tree, stringing it up, and he's just talking about stuff and life and Armenia and he's, you know, investing it with, you know, he's got a point of view about it. He's, he's trying to, you know, he's, he's writing with one eyes on the Soviet authorities who are going to read this. Um, and he was, of course, executed for, um, for being, uh, for, for expressing himself and uh, incurring the uh, paranoia of the state but I just and I'm, I don't suggest you uh, you caught that fate yourselves but um, I love dense writing and I love that writing that uh, Mandelstam writes which has the the density and the and the kind of uh, the crusted um it's kind of like it it just feels like this this kind of like baked down dense kind of cake that you cut into with a knife and inside is layer upon layer of different flavors that kind of pour out of it i i love his writing and i don't i'm not convinced i could completely emulate it certainly not sustain it for an entire book and i'm not in, entirely sure actually because you know journey to armenia is incredibly short i'm not convinced that a reader could necessarily sustain that level of um, engagement with the work over an entire novel length but you know we have to make decisions about the kind of and, and different scenes might call for different densities of writing um, I've been loving reading it though and I've been loving uh, thinking about poetry we had a big reading tonight where everyone brought a different poem by a poet they liked or 
extract of fiction from a an author they liked and they all read it in the barn which is very different to my sixth form days I can tell you they're a real lovely lot and it's wonderful to see them supporting each other uh and I want to make jokes about it, you know, and say, oh, God, why aren't we a bunch of nerds? But actually, it's beautiful. And I never had that at school. I never had that level of support. I never had that. I never felt safe to, I never felt safe to, to you know, really admit that I, I read. I was bullied for having been seen reading a novel for pleasure. Uh, that's the kind of school I went to. And maybe you had that environment around you as well. And I reflexively want to take the piss when there's a group of like engaged students who care about art, who will read, you know, of an evening, some Wilfred Owen, some Jean-Paul Sartre and some Stephen King and love all those things equally and sing some Joni Mitchell uh, and read some Sylvia Plath. And not because they've been set it as a set text, but because they like it. I, I, it's it's amazing and it's beautiful and I'm glad that they've got that and I'm glad that they've got each other. And if you haven't had that around you, that might be the reason sometimes where you feel apologetic for writing. It's so funny when we have these one-to-one tutorials with, not only with, you know, sick formers, but sometimes with adults where sometimes somebody will t- start talking about the novel idea they've had say oh you know i've been th- i had this idea for a book for about 10 years now it's this this and this and actually your only role in that one to one is to say go write it and that can be a big moment for people now i know it makes it sound like come on tim you've got to do something fucking more than that you're being paid that's not actually that's not a skilled job anyone could do that you could probably you could probably train a baboon to hold up a sign saying "Go write it," and uh, and, uh, and 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 it would, that would be more entertaining. That would at least be a novel shock to have a baboon instruct you to uh, go make uh, important works of art. Uh, and there's more to that. And of course, I, I, I go into all sorts of like a line by line analysis as well. But it's it, it, but sometimes what someone needs is that permission, or that what they feel they need is that permission for someone to say go do the thing it's not and it's odd in now in my life that I find myself the a gatekeeper a gatekeeper of fiction a gatekeeper of poetry that to some people I'm somebody who they see as being as deciding who gets to do it and who doesn't who, who and deciding what is poetry and what is prose and what is worthy and what isn't and what's good and what isn't and what they should be reading and what they shouldn't. I've, you know, I, I don't, it's kind of bizarre to me. And obviously that's only in certain situations. But, you know, I've done reviews for The Guardian as well. So actually, you know, I am sort of like, I, ha- in, I have my moments of being part of the establishment, right? I've, you know, I, I, I've done literature festivals. I, 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 I have moments of being part of the establishment. I do this podcast now. I decide what I decide what guests I ask to be on it. And little by little, you know, you become, you, you become part of that kind of system that decides who gets listened to and who doesn't. And I think the, <laughs> and I'm not qualified to, and it's stupid. But the one thing that I'm sort of determined to do with it. If I have ever get my hands on the, on you know, at any point, if at any point I have my hands on the lever that controls that portcullis that drops that drawbridge, then I'm just, I'm just cutting the cord, baby. I'm like letting it down. 
and I'm calling to the barbarians mass around the walls. Come in, ransack the town. There is no gate. The gatekeepers are dead. Because you should fucking come in. And I'm talking to you now. I'm talking to you personally. Write your thing. Write your fucking thing. And I know you want to. You'll be like, Tim, I yeah, I want to. But you have, you have my... If you ever felt you needed it, I'm giving it to you now. I don't uh, value my permission as something that you ever needed. I don't accept that premise. But for what it's worth, I'm saying to you, write your story. Write your novel. Get on with it. I've been reading while I've been here um, the creative writing classic Becoming a Writer by by uh, Dorothea Brand. And I'd never read it before but I felt like I had because it's referenced in so many other creative writing tomes almost every single uh, writing book I've ever read quotes Dorothea Brand uh, at some point often not approvingly though I think she kind of got this you know what I think it's a a legacy of um, a lot of men writing creative writing manuals and and being a bit sexist around this idea of the psychology of creative writing so I had a I had this idea that becoming a writer was this slightly flouncy book about the mindset of the writer and how you step into the role of writer but I'd never actually read it I just heard people kind of slightly rolling their eyes now you may have heard of the Dorothea Brand's uh, concept of morning pages where she says you should rise half an hour earlier than you normally do and without speaking, without sort of rousing yourself, particularly from your sleep, as quickly as you can, you walk to wherever you have your notebook, you take a pen and you begin to write. And for half an hour, you write without allowing the pen to pause and you see what comes pouring out. And slowly, you the idea is that you start training your mind, your subconscious, to provide you with ideas. Now, you if you've done the Couch to ATK Writing Bootcamp, you'll know I kind of like, I, I kind of adapted this into um, using lots of free writes to to start doing, to start getting the mind. But I hadn't read her book. I just knew that, you know, uh, morning pages and this idea of doing free writes is something that grew out of Dorothea Brand's um, work. And I've started reading it and I'm about halfway through. And this is what I think so far of Becoming a Writer by Dorothea Brand. It is fucking brilliant. It is so acute. It's so smart. It's so just there. She knows what she's talking about. And I felt it feels so modern and it feels so spot on. And it feels like she manages to nail what every creative writing manual since has failed to know which is that if you don't sort out the psychology of writing if you can't get yourself to sit down and start writing there's no fucking point in going oh can we let's talk about doing plot grids let's work out the structure let's work out three act structure let's work out try fail cycles or should we do a plot graph should we talk about metaphor if you're not writing you can't use any of that because there's no words 
And she says, look, all of that is all of that craft stuff is can be very important. She's not denying that. But you have got to be producing work in order to be able to apply those things. If you can't get yourself to sit down and write, there's no point having all the technological all the technical knowledge in the world will not save you if you're not fucking putting words on the page, if you're too scared, if you're too miserable, if you're too ashamed. It's and she's right. And all the all the all the PhD ridden assholes who I've read since have never got that simple, simple message. You have to feel happy and you have to feel engaged and you have to feel prepared to write. Because if you can't do that, it does I don't care that you understand the hero's journey. I don't care that you've read a hero with a thousand faces. I don't care that you are a master of contemporary literature and have read hundreds of different novels and you understand the structures of all the great works of the 20th century. Because if you can't put words on page, you're not going to make a book. You're not going to write a novel. And it's so, it should be so bloody obvious. But there's something about it that just doesn't sit very well with a certain... Uh, snobby technically minded writer that you are going to actually have to do all that silly stuff that we have trained ourselves to disown because it seems a bit too artistic temperamenty and it seems a little bit too uh it seems a bit self-satisfied no 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 look let me uh now now she does you know use use the male pronoun and, and talk of a men and, and a man as uh you know in, in a place for humankind so please you know accept that as part of the age in which she was writing. But listen to this, listen to this. I I, I, I was highlighting, so well, I wasn't highlighting because it's not my book, it's from the library, but I was writing down so many quotes from her stuff because it was, I was just like, this is the shit. This is the good stuff. This is the stuff they don't want you to see. This is what you need to read her stuff and you need to do what she says. She knows what she's talking about. Listen to this. The man of genius makes his own emergency and acts in it. And his willingness both to instigate and perform marks him off from his more inert, less courageous comrades. Most of the, and that's one bit, but now, now this second one is, because I think that's lovely and that gives you an idea of how she writes in this wonderfully uh, robust but uh, expansive, uh, slightly grand way. Listen to this, because I think this is, this nails it for me the central problem of writing for a lot of people and a lot and, and, and a lot of you because I know you've written to me and I know what you kind of like struggle with a lot of the time. Listen to this. Most of the methods of training the conscious side of the writer, the craftsman and the critic in him, are actually hostile to the good of the unconscious, the artist's side. And the converse of this proposition is likewise true. But it is possible to train both sides of the character to work in harmony. And the first step in that education is to consider that you must teach yourself not as though you were one person, but two. Yes. So you've got the unconscious side. Now, look, I'm not saying I, I subscribe to this idea that we have an unconscious and a conscious mind. A kind of, I, I'm not sure that that is has any psychiatric 
evidence behind it or that any neuroscience supports that idea. It may be true, it may not be. I think what we're looking at here is a is a is a, is a kind of a, an analogy, a metaphorical model. But you have the creator, if you like, and the editor. And both of those roles are essential if you are going to be uh, a, a writer, if you're going to write and you're going to produce stuff that ultimately can be read and enjoyed by other human beings. You need that wild creator side who comes out with ideas, who embraces the irrational, who puts objects and things and ideas and concepts and places and locations and people together and paints them with moods that you wouldn't expect and just sees what hap- what's going to happen. Just, you know, puts the monkey on the motorbike and sees and, and, and investigates and enjoys and takes great rich pleasure in discovering what happens when this new and, and the rational side of of us recognizes those things as 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 mistakes as wrong because they're original we recognize it as wrong as somehow every good piece of originality is in some way a transgression it somehow violates some boundary of reason and good sense and middle class order everything now it doesn't mean that every transgression of that order is a good story i'm not saying that at all and we mustn't otherwise we just become uh you know performance artists who like fire blue paint out of their bum with a trumpet and go Am I challenging you, bourgeois swine, while getting huge arts council grants, right? Like, I understand that the violation in itself is not necessarily even that interesting. You know, it's just like, fine, okay, you blue paint's coming out your bum. I, why should I pay you for this? Why should I pay to watch you do this? Um, and I think... We've got to be open to the possibility of shooting blue paint out of our bum through a trumpet, at least, right? I think you can't find the good stuff without having that at least on the table. At least when you're doing the brainstorming session in the office, on the whiteboard at some stage, the trumpet with the blue paint, shooting out of the bum crack, dousing the front row in a ultramarine spray of gloss paint and unhealthily yellow diarrhea i don't think if that it, that should be definitely somewhere on your venn diagram somewhere on your spider chart some way somewhere in the spitballing session those words should appear on the uh, on the uh, interactive whiteboard because when you have those possibilities, something magical can happen and weird new things can happen. But then we do need the editor to come in, the rational parent, and decide what is fun for us, just for us, and what is possibly fun or of value or interesting or new or innovative to other people. And 
like Dorothea Brand says, the, the, the exercises that you do to build your editor are not the same exercises that you use to build your creator, the unconscious, the weird transgressive imp on the shoulder versus the hard-working, nurturing parent on the other. And, like, uh, I'm not trying to rob the editor of their fair share of praise, of excitement, of, you know, there's something, lo- you know, there's something deeply loving and nurturing in looking over work. And, you know, it's like washing your children's clothes and ironing and folding them and packing their lunchbox before they go to school. None of those things are like like cool dad territory. But my God, like knowing that my daughter goes, she's not at school yet, but knowing that she's got food for the next day, knowing that there's a little treat in there for her, you know, uh, a little bit of apple or something, and she's going to get to eat that. It's like, it's okay to, let's not, I'm not down on editors, your internal editor. They want to bring your worlds to life and they want to make them comprehensible and understandable and they want to translate them for the other human beings so they can bring them joy i'm not i don't want to we we give the unconscious we let it be the kind of like cool rogue we let it be the uh, glamorous romantic bad boy but um i think i think we do we do down our editor and we stop we, we forget how much love there is in editing and working and packing those sandwiches so we've got to look at ways to nurture those two sides it's like Dorothea Brand says there's two sides and the way the exercises we're using to build either of those two are different and all she's saying is just accept this proposition for now try to teach yourself and work on your writing as if there were two of you and I think she's dead she's dead right and so How can you build the unconscious side? Through timed free write, through setting a clock for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, getting a pen and writing whatever comes to mind. Through having a book with you, having a small notebook with you that you and a pen that you can whip out of your pocket when you hear a funny snatch of a conversation that you can get yourself to do three minutes while you're on a bus that you can have by your bedside so when you roll over in the morning you can spend two minutes writing down the dream you had whatever you remember uh, that you can use to smash together different ideas you know this is another way that you can train your unconscious to say hey you got something do you want to tell me a joke have you got something funny to say and then you write it down thank you and that trains your unconscious that part of you to feel confident and safe in offering ideas hey i've made this weird pancake with fangs in it and it's playing uh, Merry Christmas everyone and you go oh thank you and you put that in the book and then you might come back to it later but it's like great to you want to start rewarding your unconscious and saying thank you thank you thank you and as you do it will start to produce more and you just note those things down in the book and you are getting a trove of ideas that you can use in later things now the editor side of you that's the and and you can the other thing you can do with the unconscious to train it is like give it games you know give it writing exercises say okay i want you to uh we're going to name a, i want you to come up with a list of uh 
as many weird planets that a spaceship crew could uh, find themselves crash-landed on. What's the premise of this planet? This is the planet of people with hats that are alive and uh, have all the rights that they do, and uh, you marry your hat. This is the planet of the people who uh, are uh, part plant and uh, exist through... They they eat through photosynthesis, and uh, they consider the fact that you eat carrots a terrible crime because they eat sentient beef because that's ethical to them. I don't know, that's a bit on the nose. But again, see, and there in comes the editor. And the editor's exactly right, but that's not relevant in this exercise. Now, the editor, you can give all sorts of wonderful things. You can read, and that can be a wonderful way to get the editor out and go, hey, what do you think? Hey, dude, what do you think about this? Do you think there's any ways we could make this seem better? Give the editor specific, time-limited, focused goals. Instead of going, am I all right? Am I okay? And then the editor's just like, well, just go to bananas and make you feel shit about yourself. You can say to the editor, hey, I've written this page. What are... Can you help me find like five ways to make it better? Can you help me make five cuts? So you go specific, you go limited, and you ask for the editor's help. And the editor will find you five ways to make that page better. And this is how you can... And then you thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm not suggesting you have to literally talk to these imaginary two sides of you. I realise that might sound a little bit eccentric, and you don't have to. But having that love for yourself, that you're going to be able to give positive, constructive criticism on your own work, and you're going to be able to feel have that feeling to yourself of gratitude... Of thank you, it's gonna st- it's gonna take away so much anxiety, and it's gonna encourage that editor. It's gonna make that editor inside of you, that part of you, that self critic. It's gonna make that self critic feel valued. It's gonna make you feel safe and valued and listened to the critical voice, and that's gonna stop it jumping in every moment that you start to write a page because it knows. Look, when my time comes, when I'm called up to the plate, when you tap me in and go, hey. In a critic, I have got some work for you to do. I need you, man. I can't do this without you. Come on. It'll get up off the bench and it'll go and it'll do its work. And if it knows that, you have, you're, that you're going to use it and you value it, then it's more likely to be patient while you create that work. Now, that may all seem completely eccentric and silly, and that's fine. So's writing. What I'm asking you to do is, I think, despite the fact it's eccentric and silly, it does work. And these kind of like, you know, just imagining these things and applying them still works. And we can go, thank self-critic, that's really helpful. I'm not ever asking you to get rid of your, 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 your ability to analyse your own work, your ability to look for ways to make it better. But we just want to focus that because we want to create work and then we want to edit it. So... Just to summarise, things that you can take away from this, things that you can immediately apply in your own writing. Start doing regular, daily, 10-minute blasts of free writing where you just let the uh, your unconscious go wild. That's going to help you start building up the muscles of free associating, writing whatever's not censoring, so you can start getting some of the raw, unfiltered stuff out. And that's going to make your unconscious stronger. Dorothea Brand is really good, actually, at talking about the fact that this is not 
doesn't require a huge effort that often people apply way, way more strain and effort and, you know, the force of will. God damn it, I will do it. Rather than this gentle sense of easing oneself into it. And as a result, people get knackered, resentful, and she says, no, you don't need to do that. What we're going to do is you're going to just, you know, use, she thinks the, she says the imagination is, is a far greater tool for behavioural change than will. And I think she's right. I think she's, da- she, I think she's spot on. So I'm just saying, you know, you're going to spend like 10 minutes just, you know, imagine you might do it before when you're finished here. But I know you can see a world in which that is possible. And you just start pissing about. You start filling books with this stuff and making notes, writing lists, jotting down lists of names. You're going to start embracing that playful side of you. So that's how you build up the unconscious. And then for this conscious side, you're going to give it give it 10 minutes where it goes through a scene you've written and say hey can you look and find five ways to make this better let it go through a patch of free writing that you did and go hey you've got five minutes can we find five ways to make this better five words to cut thank you and i think in that way you can just learn to have a healthier relationship with your inner critic now look i'm definitely not perfect on this I struggle and sometimes I really beat myself up and then other days I do all right and I'm doing my best these days to forgive myself the times when I slip, I'm not nice to myself, when I get defensive and project that out on others. So that's the ramble for today. I can feel the, uh, I can feel the hay fever. You can feel that the pollen coming in and the wheeziness start to enter my voice. I'm in this tiny little cottage, uh, my tutor's cottage, looks out over a uh, over a field. We've had the most beautiful blazing hot weather and tomorrow morning I'm going to sneak out and uh, go swimming in the river. I wish you so much joy and happiness with your writing. You can do it. I've watched people this week overcome blocks. I've taught on these courses a whole bunch and I see people overcome what they thought were insurmountable blocks. And like Dorothea Brand says, it's not about exerting some Herculean effort of will. It's about those sm- that small, gentle, subconscious use of imagination that will slowly and surely alter your course and you'll perform a course correction almost without having to try and we're going to start doing it just by you turning up at your notebook or your file on your computer and having a little write with no expectations Okay, so if you enjoyed the show, there's three things you can do. One, you can buy my book, The Honours, which is available uh, at at all good bookshops, but I'll put a link in the show notes. You can click through that and get yourself a copy. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. It's a kind of gothic historical book with lots of exciting uh, tension and uh, crunchy specificity, and you can see whether I put my own principles into action. As well, if you've got that book already and you've bought copies for your nearest and dearest and uh, bestowed upon them the gift of story, then if you want to uh, help out the show yourself, you can just uh, go on my coffee page. There's a link to that as well on my website, tinclairpoet.co.uk and in the show notes to this show. You can go there and you can just drop me a few bucks 
direct thank you so much to all of you who've done that that all goes towards the running of the show i really appreciate it so far you know this show is funded by you the listener and i really appreciate the fact that you've um, helped me to be afford to be able to afford our running costs i really 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 appreciate it um and finally any shows that we do that you enjoy any episodes you like share the bejesus out of them please and subscribe on soundcloud subscribe on itunes leave us a review on itunes post about us on facebook on twitter on your blog tell your friends in meet space all of that makes a huge difference and i really appreciate you especially people you know who've shared the couch to 80k writing boot camp because every time someone shares it other people see it go, ooh, I'm going to start that, and then they share it as well. And I get these lovely emails of people who are two, three weeks in saying, this is completely changing my writing life. I'm loving it. Thank you so much. And that just makes me feel great. And I don't I don't even feel that ashamed about sharing that kind of like little brag there with you because uh, I think I did good. And uh, you, all of you who've had a go at it, have done really good as well. And it's so frigging exciting to see you writing and just seeing and just seeing it proved again and again and again that it doesn't matter if you haven't written for five years, 10 years, 20 years. It doesn't matter if you've never written before. It doesn't matter if you felt low. It doesn't matter if you used to write and then you stopped and you ground to a halt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you just can't get the energy. You're going to find a way. I promise you. I've been through all of it myself and I've come out the other side and it's okay. All right. It's okay. That's what I'm telling you. Now, go away, you darn scallywag. Pick up a pen and see what comes out. All the students here have been turning up every morning. They've been doing free writes. They've been doing the most ridiculous exercises. And they have turned up and written. If they can do it, you can bloody do it too. Don't let me down. Don't shame them. Honour them. Honour yourself. Honour me. You're going to do a little bit of writing and write some beautiful nonsense, baby. Okay, take care. Love you. Bye-bye.